Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. About four weeks ago, I heard an incredible story. And uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. And so, heard an incredible story, and I'm going to share that story at the end of this message tonight. And, um, and the reason, and that story got me thinking about what I'm going to talk about tonight, and I don't think I've ever actually preached on this subject. you think that it probably would have, or, uh, you know, it probably has been talked about many times in our church. And I'm going to talk about uh, worship tonight, more uh, to the point, real worship. And I think a few weeks ago, Tim was talking about praise, and, um, and it wasn't, and I thought, oh, Tim's talking about praise, I'll talk about worship, it wasn't really like that. Before I even talked about that message, I had this message sitting uh, there in my heart, and, um, and I thought, as soon as I'm on again, I'm going to talk about this. And God just kept reminding me about this subject and, and through that story. And, you know, worship is, a, is something we, at church, we do every time we get together. We do it a lot in church. Uh, praise and worship and, and, and all that. And if we do it every week, it's important to know uh, why we do it and actually what worship is, don't you think? Uh, because I guarantee you some of you are sitting here and if I asked you what's worship really about, you may not really know. And if I say, well, what is praise about? You may be not sure because praise and worship are different. They're different. They're not the same. And uh, they, they focus on different things. And I'll talk a bit about that. You know, I believe that every single person on this planet is created with the ability to worship. Doesn't mean they worship God, but every single person in the, on this planet is created with the ability to worship. I believe that obviously we are made to worship God first. And, uh, and that's when we really find true fulfillment, when we worship. But there's a lot of worship going on that isn't towards Jesus and a lot of worship going on that isn't towards uh, God and all that kind of stuff. Um, but is isn't about like, well, you know, if I choose to worship or not. The question is this, what am I worshipping or where is your worship directed at or to? Where is your worship directed to? Because we are all, everyone sitting in this room here, we have some worship going on in our lives that is directed towards thing. And I would hope that our worship is directed to God, but there can be many things that our worship can be directed towards. Uh, and we see in our world that we live in that, uh, you know, that people, you know, and I'll talk about this in a moment, people worship all kinds of different things. And worship is extremely important because it is central to our life and what you worship will shape your life. Whatever you worship will make you the person that you will become, where you're focused. Because worship is, real worship is much deeper than just on the outside. It goes much deeper and we're going to talk about some of that stuff. I remember... Um, I've shared this story before, but just briefly about this. I was on a camp when I was about 16 years old, 17 years old, probably about 16. And um, we were down near the Sunshine Coast in this Teen Challenge camp. And we had a whole bunch of different, there was a bunch of Christian kids kind of thing that grew up in church and on this camp. And there was a whole bunch of kids that came up, they picked up off the streets in Brisbane that came from really full-on backgrounds. Some of them after this camp, if it didn't work out well for them, were heading to prison or juvenile detention and all that kind of stuff. And, and they were into some 
you know, all kinds of stuff. And so we're on this camp, and there was some, there was some friction and things going on on this camp. And uh, see you, Ayla. And uh, you've been banished. And so, and there was some friction on this camp, you know, and for the first three days, and um, there was, you know, they didn't want to participate, these group of kids. There was probably about 20 of them, and they were, you know, had an attitude and all that kind of stuff. And, and it took three days to eventually just get them in a room and just stay in a room with everyone else, okay? So we're at that level after three days. And so this one night, I remember we, uh, they invited this guest artist in, and it was a guy just on a keyboard, and, uh, and he's a guy from Brisbane, I don't even know his name, and, uh, and he just started leading some songs, and I remember we got to this point in the night where uh, it was this last song we sort of played, and, and we'd done some mostly slower songs, and he got to this one song, and the song was called Jesus, Lover of My Soul, which some of you would know, and, and we used to sing in this church, we haven't sung it for a long time, and... Um, and he, we sang this song, he just started singing this song, and suddenly, and then the people, there was a bunch of teenagers in the room that, you know, were, you know wanted God, they were hungry for God, believed in God, and loved God, and, and began to worship, and there was enough people in the room that their heart, their, they were in the room, and their heart was just sold out to God, and focused on God, and they would just began to worship God. And bit by bit, people just started weeping in the building. And then one by one, and he just kept playing this song and singing this song. And, and one by one, you know, all of us, one by one, just felt drawn to the front. And people were just walking to the front of this, in this sort of room, in this campsite, and dropping to their knees and crying for not just 10 minutes, but for an hour, this happened. And, uh, and then, but there's this bunch of 20-odd, you know, guys and girls that were kind of like, I'm not getting part of this or whatever. And then, but after about an hour... And uh, when God, well, there was this incredible presence and power, you know, God in the building and, and uh, people were being prayed for and all this kind of stuff. I turned around and looked and these, these you know, hard-faced teenagers or whatever and they're sitting their arms crossed still in that position of I don't want to talk to you and there's tears running down their face. And that and then one by one they all came at the front and all of them gave their life to Jesus in the whole camp. And, uh, and so it was awesome. The next morning, we were baptizing about 25 people in the pool. And it was about 50, half the camp got baptized the next morning. And so, but, and all that was is that the reason that God came in the building is because worship went up. And, because, and it wasn't just an action. It was worship that came from the heart, the worship that really said, God, we surrender to you, God. We want you to come, God. We love you. And it was just this, this drawing close to God. And there was enough people in the building, enough people in the room that caused God to say, that is what I love. Here I am. And he came and invaded the building. And so just want to talk about worship for a moment. And, you know, we can look in the dictionary about worship. And it gives us a bit of an idea, I guess, on worship. And you might think, have a few ideas about what worship is. And uh, it says in the dictionary that it's the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, like a god or something like that. Uh, words associated with it are reverence, adoration, devotion, thanksgiving, praying to uh, a god or praying to something glorifying, exalting, and honoring. Great admiration or devotion showed towards a person or a principle. The worship of a celebrity or the worship of wealth. It's honor given to someone in recognition of their merit, how good they are at something. People worship sporting people about, they're just incredible sports people, and almost people get into a mode of like, they, they idolize certain people. 
And so we live in a world that people, you know, worship in 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 broad sense in the world, we don't just talk about worship to God, even though he's the one that deserves all the worship, we know that, but we live in a world that people worship all kinds of different things. And the worship, though, is on different levels. So there's people that worship other people. You know, you can easily look up on, you go to some, a fan site of some of the artists and singers and things like that and bands around the world and you look up, oh, I know, fan, fan, and you can pull up videos of girls that are just weeping and crying and there's just all this stuff going on and people are just, you know, crazy. They're just going crazy. It's all about, you know, that, that person, that, that team, that people. That, there's people that um, worship sporting stars. There's people that worship bands and material things, people that worship money and possessions, people that worship a career, that that's the most important thing, that their career is number one, nothing else matters. I I devote everything I have to what I am doing. People can worship a business. Now, none of these, all these things can be fine to go to and love and enjoy and be a part of, and you can admire and honor people, but I'm talking about people that go to a whole other level of like, this is, this is it. Everything else is far significant to this one thing. And then we haven't even got to the worship of idols and gods in the Hindu religion. Over, there's over 300 million gods alone that they worship. 300 million. How do you even fit all that in, in one lifetime? 300 million. How do you even come up with 300 million gods? Because they've invented them all. And so they're all man-made gods. And they have this religious worship that they have to please these gods. Otherwise, bad things might happen to them or whatever. And so we live in this world that has this form of worship and this idea of worship. I've uh, got some pictures here. I want to throw up those pictures of a guy. Uh, now, I like um, Geelong Football Club. It's AFL. I like other sports as well, even though those people in this room probably don't like AFL. That's okay. And um, so my dad was born in Geelong, and so they're called the Geelong Cats. They're a great team. They've got some great players. This guy here, uh, you can throw up the next picture as well. Uh, his name is Troy West. He's a real guy, obviously. And uh, this is Troy West. He lives in Geelong. Uh, he calls himself the Cat Man because they're Geelong Cats. And he has a whole room dedicated in his house to the team, the Geelong Cats. Um, If you turn on your TV every weekend, if Geelong are on TV playing, you will always see him on the camera on national television every week. Because every week he dresses up like that every Saturday, Friday night, Saturday or Sunday, every weekend of the football season, travels all over Victoria and interstate and goes to every game that Geelong is playing. It is dedication. Now, I like Geelong Cats, but I'm not at that level. I don't want to be at that level, actually. That's a lot of work. But thinking about that, he has more passion and dedication than many people in our nation going to church. And if some people in our nation that said they follow Jesus, were as passionate as he is about his football team, thousands more people would be in church and worshipping God and not worshipping other things. So we look at that and we go, yeah, like he's full on into it and uh, he is. But also out of that you can say, hey, at least he's he's going for it. At least he's full on. 
He's like, he's showing a few of us up, actually. And so I would say that going that far as to having a room dedicated to a team and, and having all that memorabilia, I'd say that borderline's pretty close to worship, I would say. I think he's pretty much into it. And uh, that football team, dare I say it, and probably some of the players are his gods or his God. And, uh, and I don't, I'm not sure of his mental state either, but um, he... Um, I think he's an all right guy, but uh, you see him on the TV and if there's a bad decision, he lets the umpires and everyone else know about it and he's pretty passionate about it and doesn't hold back. And so you can look up many other people, many other teams, many others. There's plenty of people like him around the world that for bands and that, that I, I saw in the concert by the sea with John Farnham and all that kind of stuff, which was, which was a great night and uh, interesting night, seeing all those people out there doing, um, watching that. And there was on Facebook... Two hours before the event started, there was a couple of people lined up already, and they, and they had on there, this is our 86 John Farnham concert. 86. Then they said, our goal is 100 before I die. I hope he does enough concerts before. 99. Sorry, I definitely retired this time. I'm not coming back. And they're like, no, and then ripping down their shrine in their room and all that kind of stuff. Anyway. So it was, I don't know where they're from, but they'd travel from somewhere and John Farnham was the man. And so, and so they were passionate, obviously, because it was so hot that I would not be standing in line two hours before that concert was on, got enough, burned enough in the afternoon. And so, so there's people that were, you know, are passionate about things and, it's, and we see them on TV, you see all that kind of stuff going on. You know, and I believe this, that worship can come in two forms. There can be a superficial or a religious worship where it's all about, it can be on the outside. Worship can be on the outside. And so you can even say be in church, you know, hands are raised and clapping and all that. And in your mind is saying, oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Thank you, Jesus. KFC. KFC be good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. For... Oh, tongues of fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what have I got? Thank you, G. Oh, yeah, I've got all that stuff at work tomorrow. I've got to drop that. Oh, that's got, that's got to be fixed. And, you know, I've got all that stuff. Oh, next song. Yeah, okay. Um, thank you, G. And so... <laughs> just read a few minds tonight, didn't I? <laughs> I would call that, without having a go on anybody, I'd call that superficial worship. And this is what Jesus said about superficial worship. You ready for this? Matthew 15, 8 and 9 says this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Or another version said their worship is in vain. That word farce and vain mean this. Producing no result, useless and empty. So Jesus said this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is producing no result. It's useless and empty. I don't want to be someone like that. I don't want to be someone that worships God like that. And so there can be certain, sometimes people, I know don't, you don't mean to do it. There's things on your mind and all that. But Jesus is saying that when you come to worship, as we learn, like, worship's not easy. Okay, it's not, it's not easy to worship. To really worship, it's actually not easy. It's easy to praise, but it's not as easy to worship. 
And so, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And so there can be a time with, you know, the enemy, what he wants to do, he wants to do everything to distract you from worshiping God. Because worship, worship brings you closer to God, which is dangerous for him. And so he will do all that he can to, to put things in your path. And he, he will speak and attack our minds. And so the more he can distract you in the middle of a church service, through the week, whatever you may be doing, the more he can distract your mind from the things of God and focusing on God and getting things lined up with him, the better for him and the worse for you. So sometimes we just, there has to worship a focus on God. And so there's a superficial religious style of worship, and there's also what I like to call what Jesus talked about, a true worship of God. And so worship is not the slow song that the team sung tonight. Worship is not the amount you place in the offering uh, tonight. Worship is not volunteering in church. All these things are good. All these things are expressions of worship, and all those things are good to do, and we need to do, but they they do not define what true worship really is. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission, the Webster's Dictionary says. Extravagant love and extreme Submission, submitting yourself and surrendering yourself to God. John Piper said, true worship is a valuing or a treasuring of God above all things. And Jesus said, he talked about in this conversation with the woman at the well, that worship is about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And we're going to talk about that, what that means in a moment. First, I want to talk about two questions tonight. Answer Briefly, I guess, too, this is a massive subject. You could talk literally when you start looking up stuff in the Bible about worship and praise, it, there's a lot of stuff. And so I'm going to answer briefly these two questions tonight. The first one is this What is the difference between praise and worship? And number two, what does it mean to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? So the first thing is what's the difference between praise and worship? Well, praise, the, the Bible commands us many times, all through the Bible, it says it so many times to praise the Lord that there's too many to even mention tonight. Hundreds of times the Bible says to praise the Lord and mentions these things in Scripture, that angels and the heavenly hosts are commanded to praise the Lord. All inhabitants of the earth are instructed to praise the Lord. We can praise Him with singing, with shouting, with dance and with musical instruments. It talks about all those things. Praise, this is the difference between praise and worship. Praise is remembering with joy all that God has done for us. It is linked with thanksgiving as we offer back to God an appreciation for what He has done on our behalf. Okay, we're thanking God. We're, thank, we're, pr- we're remembering what He's done. We're thanking Him for all the great things He has done for us. Praise is universal and can be applied to other relationships as well. We can praise our family, our friends, or our boss, but obviously not on the same level as God. But you can still praise other people, and it's okay to do that, because you, you can still thank other people and praise other people for what they have done on your behalf. Obviously, praise to God is a whole other level, but praise can go beyond. It can go into many different areas. And praise in the Bible is usually loud with singing, music, dancing. Okay, so praise is actually meant to be loud. It's okay to be loud. It doesn't talk about being quiet in praise. The Bible does talk about being quiet in worship, but it never talks about being quiet in praise. 
David danced before the Lord in celebration for what God has done in the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was coming back into the city. So he was dancing not quietly, but loudly in front of thousands of people, celebrating, God, we thank you for what you have done. Thank you, God, you've kept your promise. Your presence is back in the city. This is where it needs to be. And so he praised and he danced. And God wasn't happy when his wife took offense at him. Because God was basically saying, this is a moment you should be praising. And if he wants to praise and dance around, the king wants to dance, then he needs to dance because it's worthy of praise. Jesus said, you know, God invite, the Bible also says that God invites everyone to praise. Jesus said that if people don't praise God, even the stones will cry out in praise. There's a Bible teacher in America called Michael um, Hoodman that talks about this subject. And I'll just read what he said about praise and worship. He said, Praise does not require anything of us. It is merely the truthful acknowledgement of the righteous acts of another. Since God has done many wonderful deeds, he is worthy of praise, it says in Psalms 18.3. Worship, however, comes from a different place within our spirits. Worship should be reserved for God alone, Luke 4.8. Worship is the art of losing self in the adoration of another. Praise can be... Uh, part of worship, but worship goes beyond praise. Praise is easy. Worship is not as easy. Worship gets to the heart of who we are. To truly worship God, we must let go of our self-worship. We must be willing to humble ourselves before God, surrender every part of our lives to His control, and adore Him for who He is, and not just what He has done, which we do in praise. Worship is a lifestyle, not just an occasional activity. Jesus said the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, which we're going to talk about in a moment. It is true, he goes on to say, it is through true worship that we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, convict us, and comfort us. Through worship, we realign our priorities with God's and acknowledge Him once more as the rightful Lord of our lives. That happens in worship. Just as praise is intertwined with thanksgiving, worship is intertwined with surrender. It is impossible to worship God and anything else at the same time. You can praise other people, you can praise other things and thank them, but your worship, which goes much deeper, true worship, is reserved for God alone. And if anything else takes a place of that, then God is not number one. Second question, which I'll spend a little bit more time on, is what does it mean to worship the Lord in spirit and truth? And Jesus talked about that in the story in the Bible, which I've talked about many times here and shared many times, I'm not going to share the whole story, but about the woman at the well, and they're going to Samaria, they're passing through, and they're all hungry, the disciples go off to get food, and Jesus said, I'm going to wait here at the well, because he knew there was a lady coming. They didn't, but he did. And this lady shows up, and, uh, and she's to get water, she's by herself, and he starts having a conversation, and he starts to talk about the water she's getting out, can you get me a drink? And then he turns the conversation into, look, I've got water that is better than this, it's living water, and starts to talk about spiritual things, and, and then he starts starts to speak into her life and says things like, and starts to reveal, says, oh, you've, um, you know, 
you're living with a man right now and he's, and he's not your husband, is he? And she goes, oh, how'd you know that? Oh, actually, you've had five husbands. And he starts to speak in the truth and she's like, whoa, who are you? And, and, uh, and then, then she's like, you know, and then, he, then she tries to change the subject. And he said, oh, you must be a prophet or something to know that because it was a word of knowledge. It was a gift of the Holy Spirit that he saw all this. And so she changes the subject of all things to worship. And she, for whatever reason, she just starts to then talk about this conversation about worship and where they worship in the temple and all this kind of stuff and gets onto this subject, which then Jesus begins to talk more about and doesn't go back to the other subject straight away. He begins to talk about this subject of worship. And he says that, you know, basically saying, yep, that's true. They worship in all these places. But he says this in John 4, 23 and 24. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. That's a fairly significant verse if you start to look at what that actually means. He makes a statement there that I haven't really, I've read it, but it jumped out at me. He said, God basically said, for they are the kind of worshippers that are Sikhs. In other words, God seek is seeking and looking for true worshippers in spirit and in truth. God is on the lookout. God is searching for those that aren't just worshipping superficially or just worshipping like doing all the right things and clapping or lifting their hands. He's after people that are worshipping in spirit and in truth. We'll talk about exactly what that means in a moment. But I want you to understand that God is seeking people that worship Him with true worship. And what I've seen happen is this. When He finds them, heaven invades earth. what happens there's been moments in our services that some Sunday mornings and things like that where suddenly God's invaded the place because enough people in the building that morning came saying God today I'm surrendering it all to you and he shows up so this is the this is the point that if we all show up every Sunday with ready to worship in spirit and truth God will show up. He'll just show up. Because the Bible says he knows and looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. The overall lesson about worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth is that this, that the worship of God is not confined to a single geographical location. And they were worshiping the temple. That's the whole conversation they're having. They're worshiping the temple in different places. But now that Jesus had come, Jesus coming, or everyone had access to worship Him. So whether it was in ch- whether it's in church on a Sunday, or whether it's in your bedroom at home, or wherever it may be, when we get together, there's worship happening. But it doesn't have to just be here. It can happen in in our city through the week and wherever you may be, because it's not confined to one place. We all have equal access to God. Worship became 
a matter of a heart. When Jesus came, it wasn't about before that. It was all about religious duty and superficial. You've got to do this and act this way and, do, and bow this time and, and do this and that and that and that and this and all these regulations and laws and all around it to make it all proper and right. But Jesus came and he brought everything back to the heart and basically said worship became you know, a matter of the heart. He began to talk about the heart. It wasn't superficial. It was about what was on the inside that mattered. It wasn't external actions it was rather they were directed by truth rather than religious ceremony. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't, oh, well, that means I can't raise my hand. No, that means you do raise your hand because it's an outward sign of what's going on on the inside. It's fine to raise your hands. But when, when I do it, I, I just don't do it, oh, it's time to raise your hands in this part of the song or oh, that's the bit where we clap this way and then we stop and then we clap. But, you know, we have all that stuff happening. But... Worship for me is when my heart is moved, I want to I wanna draw closer. Or sometimes I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the front row. So if, you're, if you're spare seat in the front row, it's better to worship in the front row. You've got more room to step forward, a bit more room, so it's good to move forward. And so, so sometimes I just want to step forward. It's like I'm stepping forward, and it's not because, you know, the carpet's better there than here. It's because my, oh, my heart is going, God, I want to draw nearer to you. And so I just edge forward a bit. And my hands go up, God, I want to be closer to you. It's an outward reaction of what is happening on the inside. In Deuteronomy 6.4, Moses says this, sets down uh, for the Israelites how they are to love their God. You would have heard this before. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Our worship of God is directed by our love for Him. As we love Him, so we worship. The level of your love for God will determine the level of your worship of Him. And it says this, that because of the idea in the Hebrew language, the word might indicates totality, total. So what it's really saying is, it's saying that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and everything else you've got. Total. Total worship. Total love to Him. Jesus expanded on that same verse in this expression to and added mind and strength in Mark 12, 30 and Luke 10, 27. We won't read them, but he basically said, you know, he added to that verse that love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength to it. The same thing. So our worship to God is spirit and truth involves loving him with heart, soul, mind and strength. Worshiping with heart soul, mind, and strength. That same Bible teacher goes on and says a bit more about this subject. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. At the same time, worship must be in truth. That is having a knowledge of God, a knowledge of the God we worship. Otherwise, there is no worship in truth. Both are necessary for satisfying and, and God-honoring worship. So it's about having a passion. Your spirit has a passion for God, but also you have a relationship. There's knowledge about God, knowing who God is. You need the both together. Otherwise, this happens, which I'm sure some of us experienced. The spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. As soon as the emotion is over, so is the worship. 
And truth without spirit can result in a dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism. Like you have to do this, and you have to do it this way, and, and you have to raise, you know, you can, and it's like you have to get all this right to please God or whatever it may be. Like, but that's not the way it should be either. So truth and spirit, uh, spirit and truth need to be linked together and in balance together. So we need a combination of both. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him, the more we appreciate uh, the deeper our worship, and the deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. So how's your worship? Can I have the worship team up? I want to share a story in a moment. heard a story about four weeks ago, and, uh, and I'd heard a bit of it once before, and it was a speaker at Youth Alive, and his name is Mike Pivlachi, and uh, he is the pastor of uh, Soul Survivor Church in United Kingdom, and, uh, and he shared a story about in the late 90s when his church first started. And uh, he's still the pastor of that church. There's a couple of pastors there now, and uh, it's a, quite a decent size, large church. They also run a, an event called Soul Survivor. It's like a, a camp with musicians and artists that come. And uh, there's 30,000 people that go to that event every year in the United Kingdom. It's a massive event. And he shared this story. And uh, he said that in his church, the church was starting out and, uh, and they'd get together every week and every week they'd, get, they'd do some, play some praise and they'd, you know, obviously sometimes we class as the praise songs are the fast ones and the worship songs are the slow ones. They don't have to be. Um, there can be, you know, you can worship in all kinds of songs. But often that's the way it is. And so they'd, they'd, they'd play these songs and, and you'd look around and, and, and no one was really worshipping. No one was really into it. There was no passion. There was just nothing there. And so he thought, oh, we must be doing something wrong. The team, you know, and so he said, he said, had a talk with the team and, and said, okay, well, let's, let's change it. Let's, I think we're playing that song too fast. This is what they really did. This song's too fast, so we'll slow that song down next week and, I, and that might make the difference. And so they did that and then, and then they did that, made no difference at all. And then, and then, and then, so, and then someone said, oh, you know, I think, I think it's a bit loud. Your music's a bit loud. That's the problem. People aren't getting into spirit. So it's like, oh, we're playing too loud. And so then they, the next week, they brought everything down and they made everything quieter. Same result. Everyone's just kind of there, whatever. And so then they go, well, mate, it's way too quiet now. I think we should have went the other way. And so then th- third week, they went louder. They, this is all true. They did all these things and they were changing everything. And he was getting pretty frustrated. And he thought, why, why isn't this happening and no one's getting into it? And he said, he probably wouldn't do this now. But uh, this is what he did. He said, that's it. No more band. No more band. Next week, zero band. We're coming to church. And we're just going to sit there. And we're just going to wait. And we're just going to wait and see what happens. So, So they all get there. And for like 45 minutes, no one said anything. And so there's just silence in the building. No one sang a song. No one did anything. I'm not sure if they preached or not or whatever, but there was just nothing happening. It was just the same. And then he had, and then he had, and they did that, and they did it a second week. Same deal. 
nothing happened. Then he had one of his main team come up and say, look, Mike, Pastor Mike, you can't do that again. If we do that again, then people are just not going to come back. Like there's just, there was just like this Nuff band back or something. And, and, um, and he said, no, he said, we, I just believe we need to do this. And so next week, they do the same thing again. People come back, they're sitting there. And after 10 or 15 minutes, this older lady just stands up and starts to sing this hymn. Just a cappella by herself. Sings this hymn by herself. And, uh, and, then, and then she sort of sang and, and then a couple of people joined in. And then someone else sang and started a song. And then all of a sudden, he said, all these people just started to stand and sing. And he said, then someone gave a word of knowledge over someone. Then there was a prophetic word. And this happened and that happened and, that, and then suddenly there was this, it all changed and suddenly there was no musicians still, nothing on stage, but all these people began to worship from their heart and from their spirit. And so then, and then he, uh, and then he went back to, the next week he went back to his team, his music uh, team, and there was a young guy in his team and uh, he must have been 18, 17, 18, and, uh, and his name was Matt Redman. And uh, who now, some of you may know who Matt Redman is. He's, he, you know, he worships God in stadiums around the world and writes incredible songs that we've sung in church and things like that. And so he goes to him and said, next week, he said, I just want you to grab your guitar and, just, and you just worship with the people next week. And he said, well, during this like, last month of all this stuff happening and, and uh, no, nothing going, he said, one night in my bedroom, uh, God gave me a song. I wrote a song. And um, and these are the words of the song. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And he came and sang that song at their service next week. And, and God just moved across that place. We're going to sing that song tonight in a moment. But this is what I want to do. That I'm going to open up this altar call. Because... There might be people sitting here that you've made worship something that it's not meant to be. And maybe God really isn't first. He's not in the right place. But tonight, you can come and surrender and say, God, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've made worship something that it's not. Jesus, it's all about you. And I just believe that tonight, that in a moment of surrender, that God can realign some of our hearts 
say, Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about anything else. You deserve all the worship. You deserve all the worship. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.